critics have said he has a face for radio and a voice for silent film. And now, here is your host, Ben Gordon. You know what that signals. It's the Doc G Show. Huh? Hello, everyone. I am your host. It is another Wednesday at 7 p.m. That means it's time for the Doc G Show. And I am Dr. Jeebus. Wait, what? With me, as always, in the co-pilot seats, we have Nurse Anesthesis, Justin, Virgin Bat, Evangelista, I need four milligrams of morphine and awesomeness stat from the show. Hmm. Are you going to be awake if you get four milligrams of morphine? Nope. Probably not. In the other co-pilot seat, we have Dave Burles Burland, my medical scribe. I'll resuscitate whoever I have to with mouth to mouth. Oh, so sensual. Resuscitate me. Oh, I was I was going to call it, but he's already tooting my horn, so I yeah. can't be resuscitated. What? <laughs> Ew. Resuscitating with one hand and tooting with the other. Mm. Yep. Uh, this mm-hmm. is where we need to stop. Let's get, get back the, to the to the good stuff, Doc. Get out of here. Nope. Let's get out of here. I thought the tooting was the good stuff. Abort. Yeah. Abort. <laughs> Abort. Mission. Fine. Nothing will ever fix this. Jeez. Guys, who's a genius? Mm. We are. The show is. Nope. I wouldn't go that far. We may go that far. What? Huh? What? We always go that far. So true. Too far. A genius, guys, is a person who displays exceptional intellectual ability, creative productivity, typically to a degree that is associated with the achievement of new advances in a domain of knowledge. Sweet. Typically, when I hear that definition, I think of folks like Da Vinci, Mm -hmm. Einstein, Tesla, Galileo, Isaac Newton, Edison, Turing, Darwin. These are names. These are geniuses. Mm -hmm. This weekend, this past weekend, I coincidentally heard Warren Buffett termed a genius like four times. Wait, what? Genius seems a little bit out on the limb for that one for me. If you don't know who uh, Warren Buffett is, listeners, you should, because we mentioned him twice on the show, and if you're true fans, you'd know. He was one of our birthday suit wearers at one point in time, and I also mentioned a documentary with him in it. Uh, So, you should know. But he uh, has a lot of money. That's a fact. That's basically what he's famous for. Rich? Yes. Philanthropist? Yes. Mm -hmm. Old? Yes. Genius? First off, let me give you some reasons why he's not a genius. He's got $84 billion. Word. And he lives in Omaha, Nebraska. What? He's simple, man. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Omaha, Nebraska, perfectly lovely. They produce good steaks. But if you can live anywhere and you're living in Omaha, Nebraska... He can definitely choose anywhere, by the way. Not a genius. And Omaha. Just let that settle in. Maybe there's some sentimental value in Omaha. Perhaps there is, because he was born there. His wife won't let him move. 
If we go back to that definition, it says the person displays create, uh, creative productivity. Creative. Hmm. Creative productivity. Gene. You want to know Warren's number one rule for investment? Oh, it's 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 like be born, like don't be like crazy. It's Are you ready for this creative bombshell? Come on. Here it comes. Don't lose money. Word. That's it. Don't lose money. There are at least 5 Seems billion easy. other people on this planet that have that same opinion. Yes. Now, I mean, he actually gets it to 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 go into to play. Yeah. But they probably have that opinion as well. You want to hear a Warren quote? Yes. If you've been playing poker for a half an hour and you still don't know who the patsy is, you're the patsy. Word. What kind of genius uses patsy? I don't even know what that means. Now, I'm yeah, a, it's a patsy. Girl, come on. Uh, it, the, the sap, the person that doesn't know what's going yes. on, the oh, clueless yeah. person. I'd be the patsy. Now... On the other hand, I know no geniuses use Patsy, but how many 88-year-olds use Patsy? Probably a lot. I'm guessing all of them. Yes! That's what I'm going to say. Now, uh, here's another one of his quotes. Are you ready? You never know who's swimming naked until the tide goes out. Word. Come on, Warren. What if what somebody's wearing a pair of goggles? Yeah! Come on. What if the naked person just walks out of the ocean? Yeah! All of these things can happen to see who's naked without the tide going out. Mm -hmm. What if the person that's naked just keeps moving out with the tide? Yeah. You'll never know that they're naked. True. Doesn't work. Bad logic. Bad logic, Warren. I'd say expert, not genius. So true. There you go. Expert. Better definition. Now, my point is, uh, because he has a ton of money, doesn't mean he's a genius. In fact... Uh, it doesn't mean he's a genius at all. It means he has a lot of money. That's a fact. Fellas, I mentioned before, the guys Da Vinci, Einstein, Tesla, Galileo, all those guys, they didn't have a lot of money. Mm -mm. None at all. Nope. So, if making you rich doesn't make you a genius, let's reverse that. If you're poor, does that make you a genius? Yes! So now we're all geniuses. If that's the case, <laughs> that's true. it is full of geniuses in this room, guys. Are you ready to get this genius factory off the ground? Let's get it going, Doc. Let's genius. fire it up. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Guys, we have a tremendous show today. We have none other than Travis Meadows. That's right. My goodness, this guy. Lego. Travis Meadows, musician, songwriter. Guys, he has wrote songs for Tim McGraw, Dirks Bentley, Jake Owen, of course himself. He's been called Nashville's Jeez. favorite underdog by Rolling Stone. Woo! This guy has pictures on his Instagram hanging out with Carrie Underwood. What? Okay. That's right. And he's hanging with us today. Ooh. This dude also has a, the craziest story. I'm going to go through his life with him, and I'm sure he probably doesn't want to do that because every interview he's ever been does that. Mm -hmm. But this guy has the craziest life. He got he, he, he had to watch his brother drown at the age of two. That That's horrible. Nuts. And then at 14, he got cancer, and they had to amputate his leg. Jeez. He had wow. to live without half of his right leg. And then, 21, he became a missionary, traveled around the world for Jesus. The yeah. whole 
the whole 17 years from 21 to 38 traveling around the world. Mm-hmm. Crazy. All right, don't spoil anymore. Crazy. Okay, all right, fine. Come on, come on. We're going to start with the birthday suit. Hey, but that was suit. when it starts getting good. We're going to start... We're going to start with the birthday suit here, guys. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Lego. Born on April 25th, 1969. 69. The summer of 69. Mm-hmm. In Katy, Texas. Hey. Our birthday suit wearer attended Katy High School. Hmm. She was a cheerleader, a gymnast... A speech team member, a drama club member, a soccer player, and a basketball player. She did it all, guys. A lot of yeah. extracurricular curriculars. There you go. After high school, she went to the University of Texas, where she graduated with a degree in English. She took a class in acting, which sparked her interest in acting. Oh. She started acting in indie films in Texas. Her first big role was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Aside uh, aside from her being in that film, the Mac attack was also in it. Matthew McConaughey, that's right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Her big breakthrough was in Jerry Maguire. She's also played in Bridget Jones' Diary, Chicago, Leatherheads, Cinderella Man, and my personal fave of hers, Me, Myself, and Irene. Name that birthday suit wearer. Wait, is it... Uh... Her name starts with an R. Her name starts with an R. Renee Zellweger. Renee Turdberger is correct. You got it. Turdberger? Is that that the... uh, Is that a joke from a movie? It's it's from Saturday Night Live. She's Renee Turdberger. It's true. It's true. If any any Saturday Night Live listeners out there will get me. Yes, it is Renee Zellweger. Good yes, job, indeed. Justin. Nice, nice. Yes, very very famous there in the late 90s, early 2000s. Had a lot of movies there. She took a little hiatus there for a couple of years. She did. Now she's starting back. She's got several movies coming out in the 2018-19 period. Very really? exciting for Mrs. Zellweger. Happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday to Zellweger. She's almost 50. What? 49, almost yeah. 50, 49. All right, guys. Are you ready to rip some headlines? Mm-hmm. Rip it, son. And now, the news. Here we go. Uh, first off, want to start with uh, Will Smith once hung out with Michael Jackson in a closet. I saw that. I heard that. Huh? Let that marinate. That's uh, creepy. Let that marinate. I'm going to come back to that story a in a little bit. It's a crazy situation. I heard about that. going to come back to it. Okay, I'll let it marinate. Let it marinate. Last week, it. fellas, the state of Alabama put someone to death. I don't Holy. know if you heard this. Mr. Oh. Walter Moody. Oh the reason why it made national headlines mm-hmm. was Walter Moody was 83. Wait, what? Jeez. Making him the oldest person ever to be executed. So he was convicted for mailing a bomb that killed a federal judge back in 1989. Oh, Golly. He was finally convicted of the crime in 1996. He's been on death row for 22 years. Jeez. So why why are they on there so long? Do you know? Is the line that long? They, they, they executed? They, <laughs> like, what? Nope. <laughs> they kept the delaying it, long? you know, kept protesting it, kept giving reasons why, you know, he shouldn't to be put to death. To challenge the court case or something? I mean, no offense to the state of Alabama, but 
Couldn't they just wait it a little bit and nature just, take its course? Yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, hmm. I mean, I, I mean, obviously he was convicted, but still, I I'm just saying. I feel like he he won that one. You yeah, know what I mean, 22 years, you know. So before Moody was put to death, he apparently had a last meal oh, of yeah. two Philly cheesesteaks and two Dr. Peppers. Hmm. Just two. Dang. Glad to see that Death Row didn't ruin his appetite. Nope. I mean, jeez. He was like, you know what? Yeah, whatever. I'd be too nervous yes! if I was him. I'd be like, you know what? Can't really think of food at this point in time. Yeah. <laughs> Seemed to already put it past him, though. I'm going to be honest. Maybe because well, he's 83. Maybe if you hadn't had a Philly cheesesteak in 20 years. You'd... Maybe. Maybe. Also, it said he enjoyed this meal with attorneys mm-hmm. and friends. Whoa. Plural. Wait, what? Friends. Huh? No offense again. Just pure observation here. But how many friends does an 83-year-old convicted murderer who's been in jail for the last 22 years have? Right. I have a hard time getting you guys to go to dinner with me. <laughs> True. This guy's got all kinds of folks apparently having dinner with him. Jeez. Just have to mail a bomb to a federal judge. Whoa, whoa. No. Whoa. Don't do Watch that. It, Justin. Guys. I think we've all been in this following situation. You're thinking about robbing a house. Hmm. You break into that house. You sort of get hungry while you're in that house, so you check out to see what they have to eat. Yep. They've got Cheetos. Great. Yes! You start munching on the Cheetos, mm-hmm. but then you notice you're a little dirty, hmm. so you decide to take a bath. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Just Evelyn Washington? That's the only person that's happened to? I wash my hands. Apparently, that's what happened to Evelyn Washington. She broke in to a home in Monroe, Louisiana, got some Cheetos, got naked, jumped into the tub. What a ballsy woman. Yeah. Then the owner of the house came in and called the cops. When the cops asked Washington why she was in the house, she said... One of her friends told her to break into the victim's residence. Oh. What? That's it? That was it. Peer pressure Un- is real, people. And an unnamed friend. Peer just a pressure. friend told me, mm. break into this house. Watch out, y'all boys. Why not, right? Guys, pretty exciting news. A Ganges river shark, which is listed as critically endangered and has not been seen in the wild for more than 10 years, was recently spotted. Sweet. Ganges River Shark. What does that look like? It looks pretty menacing, actually. It's yeah. a pretty menacing looking shark. It was in a river? Yeah, it's a river shark. In the Ganges oh. River. Yeah, in, in the Ganges. Yeah, uh huh. Man. Here's the downside. Anything. This is the downside. Go, uh-huh. Go ahead. It was spotted at a fish market, and oh. it was dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's they, so crazy. They saw oh. it, and they're like, oh, oh. Well, I hope somebody enjoys how it tastes. Uh, Did it taste good? I, I've I heard don't know sharks not it. bad. VB Burls, I'm just saying, try to avoid critically endangered species when fishing. Yeah. Just avoid those if you can. If you catch one, throw it back in. Take, Take a picture good. first. Take a picture. <laughs> Take a picture. It'll last longer. Mmm, delicious. All right, you go back in the water now. Sashimi. Guys, guess what somebody in southwest China swallowed? Hmm. A slug. A slug. A nail. Close. A lighter. Ew. Ooh. Oh. 
20 years ago. Wait, 20 years ago? And they just removed it. Word. Wait, what? Why it took 20 years? So this guy. Enlighten us. They, they didn't name him because obviously you wouldn't want to be named if this was you. Let's uh, name him. Uh, Frank. Frank, Frank the China Man. That's not Frank a very good name. Nope, it's let's, a Chinese name. Frank <laughs> is uh, the origins Yang. of Frank. Nope, origins of Frank wow. the China Man. Justin. Well, uh, hey, well, we it's all know up. he is Filipino. <laughs> Filipino, you a-hole. Anywho, so Frank walked into the doctor's office and he said, Hey, I've been having some stomach pains and blood in my feces. Oh. Mm. And so the doctor said, Hey, do you have any idea where this pain could be coming from? And he was like, Well, I did accidentally swallow a lighter 20 years ago. Do you think that could have anything to do with it? And the doctor was like, yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> and so the doctor went down this guy's esophagus with a little, uh, like, you know, one of those little gotcha grabber things. What? Just went down there, and he had a little camera with him, and they grabbed it out. Uh, they, of course, put the guy under before they did this. Um, and they pulled it out. Took 10 minutes. I've got two questions, though. One, how do you accidentally swallow a lighter? Mm-hmm. That's got to take some resolve to get a lighter down your throat. That's tough. I'm trying to think. Really baked, I think. That's tough. Then, how did you not go at first 20 years ago? And you're just like, keep that in the back of my head in case anything goes wrong. Probably got that thing down there just in case. What? Lighter fluid. I wonder if that's Mm, bad for people. It looked like something they had found off the side of the Titanic after it sunk, Uh, you know. It was all all black and corroded. Uh, It was pretty disgusting. uh, Ew. Hey, uh, fellas. That's crazy that your stomach can do that, though. Yeah, it is. And and keep it there for that long. I'm surprised they didn't just dissolve it, though, to be honest. Uh, Guys, this just in. Apparently, Fred Durst is a film director. Huh? Fred Durst. Former lead singer of Limp Biscuit, film director. Oh, wow. Okay. Even more surprising, Creative. he's currently directing a movie with John Travolta. Huh? Hmm. Even more surprising than that, mm-hmm. it's a direct- Grease reboot. <laughs> nope. That'd be awesome. But no, even more surprising than that, he directed a commercial for the dating website eHarmony. Wow. Word. I can only guess he directed it because they're both all about the nookie. Yes, am I right? Do you see? Because that's one of their songs. Oh, okay. And it's a dating song. Thank you. And euphemism for... Nookie, yeah. You got it, Justin? Uh, you there? Gosh. Nope. I'm still trying to get okay, there. Okay, uh, anyways. Uh, At the break. We'll tell you. Anyways. Okay. Hey, remember when I brought up Amanda Pants? Mm. Oh, nice, yeah. With the, the one with the... Uh, right. The nice lady that Shane Torres told us about yes. that was undergoing heart surgery. Update? And they, they started a GoFundMe. They're almost at the amount they're looking for. Okay. They've still got a couple thousand to go. True, true. Um, and we're trying to pay for our expenses. Well, Sean Gibson of England has also started a GoFundMe. And his is for a way dumber reason. That's a fact. Way dumber. So dumb. What is it? He wants to bathe in Kentucky Fried Chicken gravy. Hmm. That's Mm. right. He wants to fill a bathtub with KFC gravy 
and bathe in it. Why, how, guy? How, how why? much is he asking for to fill up the tub? He's asking uh, five grand um, for no. four hundred pounds, uh, which would come out to around four fifty. Yeah. Or somewhere around there. Actually, a little bit more. 500 some. Home. Um, first of all, that's gross. Yes. Second that's of a all, waste of gravy. When I first read this, I looked at the article and it said that no one had donated. And I was like, <laughs> well, that's good because no one should that's donate. Good. I mean, let's be honest. If you donated to this, you're what's wrong with the world. <laughs> that's really. And then I looked at the actual page for Sean Gibson and two people. Daniel Siner and Dustin Hodgson have donated. Blam. And Dang Dustin it. not only donated, he donated 300 pounds. Oh, my gosh. That's $420 he donated for this goob to swim around in gravy. Probably some weird fetish. Oh, uh, man, could you imagine? Just think of all the good that could have been done with $420. And Dustin said, nope. nope. I want to see a man swim in gravy. Gravy. That's what I I'm going he's into with. that kind of stuff. Sick Sick turd. Anyway. Sick world full sick of sick turd. people. Oh, by the way, Will Smith was stuck in a closet with Michael Jackson at the BET Awards. One year, uh, uh, one year that they had it because Suge Knight was freaking out. Yeah, he's and, popping off. And uh, t uh, security guards threw both of them into a closet together. Hmm. And apparently that was the only time Will Smith ever met Michael Jackson. And uh, Michael Jackson wanted to talk about comic books. Word. And Will Smith didn't know anything about comic books. Nope. Weird. That's the story. Uh, Will Smith likes to tell random stories on his social media pages. His like Instagram's that. really popping. Yeah. A lot of people love him. Well, on, you know, he Instagram. gives like the... It's it's like Charlie Murphy. He gives the real Hollywood stories, basically. True. He gives these background uh, stories I like I need this. to follow him. He's pretty interesting follow. I mean, not as good as the Doc yeah. G show, but he's pretty good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, fellas, let's go down to Sebastian, Florida. Yeah, ever been down Sebastian I, I, Way? I, I didn't even know there was a city or I, place. I called think it's it. like around like West Palm area. Yeah, it? it's pretty small. It's a little bit above it it's yeah. in that St. Port, uh, St. Like Lucie Jupiter. port. Yeah. Oh, okay. Port, yeah. Mm, what? Yeah. Treasure Cove is where or Treasure Coast is what they call it. Mm -hmm. That area. Okay. Yep. Fellas, uh, Christopher Maxwell wanted some beer. Nice. So he went to his local gas station to get some beer. Okay, following there. When he got there, the attendant told him. Bad news. It's 2.30 a.m. We stopped selling alcohol at 1 a.m. Oh. Yep. So Chris gave it a good, hard, long <laughs> think. I've had to do that, too. And he said to the attendant, well, what would happen if I were just to pick up those two cases and walk out of here? Hmm. And the attendant said, well, I'd call 911 <laughs> and they'd probably arrest you. Oh. And so he thought about it again. And he walked over and picked up the two cases and left the store. The attendant called the police. So true. The police found him a quarter of a mile away from the gas station with two cases of beer. And he was arrested for theft. Oh. Did he walk? Yeah. Oh, idiot. Fast getaway. Fast oh, getaway. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Chris, Chris, just wait, man. 7 a.m. is not too long. If he would have been, you can probably find some booze from your friend to make you over yeah. till seven. If Come he would have had a car, he would have been long gone. The police would have never gotten him, <laughs> or ran into a tree, yeah, or, something or fall else. asleep True. at the wheel into a pond. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this just in, fellas. Gray's Anatomy 
has renewed for another season. Finally. Yeah, it's like the longest running show on ABC now. Making it ABC's longest running primetime drama. That's what was nuts. it before? This, I don't know. Jeez. This oh. upcoming season will make the 15th season. Dang. No. Meaning there are 15 seasons that I haven't seen. That's Woo! a fact. Yes. I've watched yes. some of them. It's Take that, good. Alan Pompeo. Uh that's right. Anyway, that is that. Yeah, I knew. I knew her name. I just never seen it. Anyway, she's pretty feisty on social media. Oh, wow. How how so? I don't know. It's kind of hot. Mm. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know. I can totally get it, guys. Are you ready for another <laughs> birthday suit? Let's get it. Here we go. Let's get it. Born on April twenty fifth, nineteen forty. In New York City, New York. He grew up in East Harlem and was mainly raised by his grandparents who were born in Sicily. In his teens, everybody called him Sonny. He first started acting around the age of 25. His big break came when he starred in The Godfather as Michael Corleone. He then starred in Scarface and Carlito's Way. Pacino. Boom. Al Pacino. Yes. That's a good one. Turning the big 7-8. Home. Yeah. Pacino Paterno. Yeah, guys. I mean, gosh, a lot of my favorite movies, man. Scarface, Godfather, Any Given Sunday, Donnie Brasco. That's not as good, but, you know, still. Any Given Sunday, the Miami. The Sharks. They were the Sharks. Miami Sharks, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, he just recently played uh, Joe Paterno in the HBO film. Yeah, did a pretty good job. Is that out already? Yeah, it's already out. I wish he did the the voice. Yeah, he wasn't raspy enough in his voice. It wasn't as squeaky. Yeah, old man-ish. It wasn't, mm. You were going to practice on that. Did you practice on making that voice? You were supposed yeah, to do that. Uh, no, I can't. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay. Shoots, man. Well, it. let's take a break. Let's this see, sucks. Let's hear some Travis Meadows, all right? We're going to hear some old ghosts. That's right. After the break, we will be back with Mr. Travis Meadows. Keep it locked here on the Doc G Show. Old ghost Haunt these halls And cross my lonely thumb Old ghost This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. And we are back here on the Doc G Show. Today we are joined by none other than special guest Travis Meadows. Trav, how's it going, man? Man, it's going great. Man. Really, really doing well. Driving. Through the back roads of Texas and uh, seeing some beautiful country, it's been awesome. I love it, man. I uh, you all May and June, you're going to be touring around the uh, southeast. You're actually going to be in our neck of the woods here in Jacksonville on June 28th, right? 
I do believe that is correct. Very yeah. nice, man. I'm very excited for the show. Uh, before we get to all the touring, all the music, the accolades, I want to I want to take a step back. And for the listeners out there that don't know, uh, you, you've been through a lot. Hmm. Um, I mean, some people say they've been through a lot, but I've got to say, I don't think they say that when they're around you. Nope. <laughs> well, I, I don't ever try to get in a top that testimony contest, but, but uh, you know, I've had my share of uh, knocks. You know, I, I always, I feel like we all kind of have a road we have to go around, you know, and we all, uh, we all have some hardships. I think those are sometimes the, you know, the things that shape us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I needed extra shaping. <laughs> <laughs> First off, I want to apologize, man, because I feel like in every interview I've seen you do, uh, they bring up your past, and uh, I'm doing it again to you. I'm sorry about that, man. Jeez, that is that's quite all right. Uh, you know, I, I kind of I feel like everybody kind of has a road, and um, you know, we, we we all have our own share of hardships that we have to get through. I feel like you know, a lot of times those are the things that shape us. And evidently, I just need a little more shape and some other folks. So, you know. Understandable, man. Well, uh, I saw in an interview recently, uh, you say one of the first poems that you ever wrote at the age of nine or ten. I saw this, and it, it was, Life is for the living in the purest way. It's only the richest if you take it day by day. There are no mediocrities. There's only good and bad. How could you see the happiness if you never saw the sad? Somebody's been doing their homework. Yeah, man. First of all, I got to say, how does a nine-year-old write that? That's that's amazing. You, you were... Yeah, I'm not even sure how that happened. Uh, <laughs> my luck, I probably read it somewhere and took credit for it. But uh, <laughs> as far as I remember, I, I wrote that. Um, yeah, you know, I wasn't even sure. Uh, I think maybe that was my first... Uh, you know, stab at because uh, I kind of love making up words. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't you know run and hide her and I get up and fight her and I and I guess maybe that was because I wasn't even sure mediocrities was a word uh, <laughs> and it may not be. Maybe it's a travism, but um, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, uh, that's uh, well, that's the first thing I remember writing. Second, would you say you still agree with your nine-year-old self? Would you say you're still sticking to that philosophy? Because, I mean, I think that's a pretty good philosophy. Yeah, well, there was a time uh, right after the preacher years when I would have disagreed because if that was the best plan you had, I just I don't like it. You know, the, the, the whole idea of having to go through rainy days so you can appreciate the sunshine. But on this side of all of that, um, yeah, this, this version of me, uh, I think, is okay saying that. I think I could look a man in the eye and say, yes, I agree with that. Right. But that was not always the case. I've, I've always been an eternal optimist, and then and then some years back, I kind of went through a little rough patch, and, and I was uh, shockingly pessimistic. And uh, and and then you know maybe now I'm uh, I'm I'm somewhat optimistic but but with a, a realistic spin on it you know because okay. <clears throat> because because things are just not always going to go the way that you hope they do and if you expect that you're going to get let down a lot. I got you. Yes! I got you. Well, so that was when you were around nine, and I saw in another interview you were talking about. Um, one of the first things that you saw music-wise 
you saw some old Elvis movies, and you were oh yeah, you were amazed at how people would just you know gravitate towards him. Uh, would you say he was your biggest musical influence? Hmm. Uh, I, 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 I don't I don't know if he would be the biggest, but he would definitely be the first and a very important one. Um, I'm still an Elvis nut. When I mean when something all about him comes on, I'm you know I'm a uh, I'm constantly changing channels, but when anything about Elvis is on, the channel stops right there, and I watch it because mm-hmm. it's—he's just such a magnetic, a, a magnetic personality. It's just—it's just—you know—he's yeah. just one of the kind of guys that you're going to stop and pay attention. He was, you know, brutally handsome and talented, and um, you know, and, uh, and, and on the other end of that, for some reason, I was always really fascinated with Marilyn Monroe too, and I don't really know that much about it, but every time I see her, she's, there's just something that just stirs in my heart. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, she's just one of those uh, James Dean kind of, they're kind of mysterious, and you don't really understand what it is, but there's this magnetic thing that just makes you want to look, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, well, speaking along <laughs> that, that same line, I saw in an Instagram post you had you you and Whiskey Jack you were going down the road and you were rocking out to a little Judas Priest. Woo-hoo. Oh yeah. Who, who's who's an artist that you know uh, people might not think of you and think oh that art that artist definitely inspired Travis Meadows. Who would be one of those? Well, I mean, there were a lot of them. Led Zeppelin. Um, mm-hmm. I love Led Zeppelin. I love some rock and roll. Um, yes! I uh, used to listen to a lot of Black Sabbath. Um, Thin Lizzy was, was one of the first. In fact, uh, yes, the first, the first, I started off on the drums. Mm-hmm. When, about the same time I was writing that poetry. Um, I was about nine or ten, and I, and I had a friend of mine, uh, and the, the odds of this happening, you know, looking back on it, are just slim to none. He was a left-handed drummer. Yeah, right. And two houses down from me, and I used to go and play his kit, and when I would sit down, I was left-handed, so it was already set up for me. <laughs> and so I was really inspired, and he would go and eat or whatever and give me his little storage room to play drums. And the, and the first song that I learned on the drums was Detroit Rock City by Kiss. And the second one was Stan Lizzie Jailbreak. Nice. And, yeah, so both of those were, uh, you know, when the, and, uh, you know, the boys are back in town. When oh, those yeah. songs come on, man, I stop and crank it up. I mean, it's <laughs> on. I like it. Well, I, I can sympathize, man. I, I, I am a left-handed drummer as well. So I know, I know, I know the, I know the problems of finding somebody. Everybody always, oh, you play the drums, and you're like, yeah, and then they're like, here's a kit, and you're like, that's oh, right-handed. Do you mind if I yeah. switch everything around? And they're like, ah, oh, never. Mind. Yeah, that's well. I, I actually, you know, I actually uh, played professionally for a while, and uh, and I was playing with with some bands. And every time that we would open for somebody bigger, they would want us just to use the house kit. So I kind of had to just learn how to. I would just drop the uh, drop the hi hat down where it was just automatically down, and I would shift around and I would just play mm-hmm. uh, left handed on a on a right handed kit, which and, is a pain. Know, yeah, but make it believable. But you know, I just trained. I just transferred one pain in the butt for another. You know, now it's a <laughs> left handed guitar. Jeez. And uh, you know, we're driving all over the country, and we find this an amazing guitar shop and go in and see all these vintage instruments and stuff oh my god look at that instrument so beautiful would you like to play it no would you play it so i can listen to you play it you know but and we just actually we just went through southpaw guitars uh and and bel-air in houston we went through and every time that i'm within 100 miles of there i'm gonna go because they have 800 left-handed guitars in stock there you go and it's like christmas all over again so um 
Um, so we spent about an hour or two in there. Sweet. Um, and it was nice, you know. I mean, it, uh, people don't really realize how, you know, I wouldn't call it painful, but it, it's a little torturous to walk through any guitar center or Sam Ash or corner music in Nashville and have all of these beautiful right-handed instruments and you just have to keep on walking, you know. <laughs> it's a little frustrating after a while because they don't really take us into consideration at all. That's well, right. see, that that's the one that I just learned how to, tried to learn how to play the guitar right-handed and so that so because i play so poorly i just tell people it's because i had to learn right-handed that's the reason yeah well that's fair <laughs> enough so i know a lot of i know a lot of guys that, that actually do that jeremy spillman uh, being one a good songwriter friend of mine yeah they just told him nobody's gonna teach you to play this way you have to learn right-handed <laughs> and i was just too stubborn and i never really took lessons either i just kind of picked it up on my own and i was too stubborn i wasn't going to be told what to do yeah. And so I just strung one up backwards, and then and then when I went to Gatlinburg when I was 21, I just stumbled on a left-handed guitar, and I bought it. Spent yeah. money I didn't have on it. <laughs> and, uh, and I've had left-handed guitars ever since. I just wait on them. There it is. There it is. But So if we, if we go back, so you, you, uh, you were getting into music, you, you were writing songs, and then 14 comes along, and wham, you, you get cancer. You're told you yeah. have cancer, and, and you lose part of your leg. And yeah. I heard in a, in an interview that you you kept that that you kept that secret for a long time. Uh, I did. And you you also I did, you know well I just I, I just didn't like the idea. First of all, it's really you know what are you going to do? Hey, I'm Travis. I'm missing a leg. What? Mm-hmm. And and, uh, and and I don't like you know I imagine um, see the sad part about this is is we're descriptive people. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there, there kind of have to be descriptions. You mm-hmm. know, well, you know, the heavy set guy, white with the brown hair, or mm-hmm. you know, the, the 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 girl with the tattoo on the, you know, and I'm, I'm Travis, the guy with the leg, and I just don't, I don't want to be identified as that. I, I would rather be Travis, you know, the the, the the great songwriter or the singer or whatever. Yeah. But I finally had to kind of surrender that, you know, it's it's not anybody being mean. We just, you know, we just are descriptive people and we have to kind of use identifiers to, um, you know, to kind of, oh, you know who I'm talking about? So-and-so. He's the guy with, yeah. the, you know, freaking yeah. leg. <laughs> well, so I also heard that you had, you know, you had a hard time sharing your songs as well with people. You sort of kept those a, a secret as well at first. Well, because, you know, I started off on the, on the drums, as I told you, and we were in rock and roll bands, and, and uh, I was probably about 16 or 17 at this time. Mm-hmm. And the band, we, we actually had a pretty pretty good thing going on in Jackson, Mississippi, and um, and we were doing all covers, and, you know, the, the, the subject came up, maybe we should write some of our own. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, I've, I've got a few things I've, I've had for a while, I could bring those out. And I brought them out, and they kind of laughed at me and said they were stupid. Mm. So I just put them right back where they came from and said, well, I'll never be hurt like that again, you know? Yeah. And I do remember a, a little while down the line, there was a, there was a, 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 another bar band. And the irony of all of this is of what I'm you know, is now none of these guys is probably doing music at all. Yeah. And I'm still out there. But, um, but there was, you know, a bar band that was doing better than us who looked at some of the words that I presented and said, these are actually really good. You should try to work with something. So there was a little bit of redemption there. Yeah. But by then, you know, and my my fragile ego was already bruised. And so I was I was done talking about, you know, lyrics for a while. And so it was a, it was a long while before I 
you know, kind of found the courage to try that again. Yeah. And by the time, and by the time that, it, you know, that, that I got to that point, I was, you know, I was singing and playing guitar and, and ready to, you know, present myself as an artist, not just presenting a song to a rock band I'm playing drums in. Yeah. Um, and that took a lot of courage and a lot of years to kind of build up. Fears just kind of always kicked my ass. And so... <laughs> I think um, it does most people, you know. Yeah, you know, and so I'm just, you know, I hate it, and I and I spend a lot of time turning around, looking at it, you know, and mm-hmm. and and staring at it, and going, well, "You're not as big as I thought you were," kind of thing. But mm-hmm. but it's it's been a booger in my life for a long time. It still is at times. Mm-hmm. So a little bit later in life, you decided you're going to play bluegrass. You're going to be a bit of a hippie, and uh, you move to Gatlinburg. You start playing. You do a little singer songwriter stuff. And then, yep. and then a little bit later, wham! You get hit by Jesus, and not literally, of course. But you jumped yep. in. You jumped into ministry. You jumped hard yep. for for seventeen years. Wow. Yeah. Well, when I was getting high, I wanted everybody high around me. When I found Jesus, I wanted everybody to have Jesus. <laughs> just my addictive personality. A little bit of nothing don't work for me. I gotta have it as much as I can get. Yeah. And, and I wanted everybody else to have that too. Now, did I did I hear it right? Did you? Uh, I think I heard you say that it was a, a Bob Dylan song that sort of turned you down that path. Well, that, yeah, there were you know there were there were. Um, well, no, actually, that's backwards. Uh, uh, I, I kind of had a, a bad acid trip was what mm. what really oh. sent me down the, the, the Jesus train. Mm-hmm. But what kind of made me get out of it was a Bob Dylan song uh. because I spent, I spent about 17 years. And it was really, honestly, uh, this is no, no knock on any person's religion at all. I would never do that because I don't think that's fair. Uh, and, and in all fairness, I kind of feel like Christians are getting the rawest deal in America right now because you can, you can, they're open game. You can't make fun of anybody else, but you can say all you want about that. And I don't think that's very fair either. Mm-hmm. But with that said, I was, you know, it was a very naive faith that I was living in. It was all black and white mm-hmm. and I had answers for everything. And if you, if you prayed and you go to church and you, pay your tithes and you know you're loyal to jesus and everything's going to be okay and and that somehow luckily got me through about 17 years but then all of a sudden it, it wasn't working anymore and my naive faith got a swift kick in the ass and i had to i had to you know i started asking questions i've never taken the time to ask before mm-hmm. you know um and uh, and then just about that time when i'm kind of sitting at the top of the slide um, starting to question, I, um, I heard Buddy Miller's version of "With God on Our Side," and I, and because I lost my hearing, a, a large portion of my hearing due to chemotherapy when I was fourteen, I've spent years and years and years extremely deaf, mm-hmm. and so I usually feel music more than hear it. Um, yeah. I got some hearing, some hearing aids some years back, so I hear much better, you know. But I mean, I spent a lot of time reading lips, so I couldn't actually hear the words, but I. I was so compelled by Buddy Miller's version that I brought up the lyrics, mm-hmm. and I read the lyrics, and it was just mind blowing. You know that you know uh, the Indian had God on their side, but we had God more on our side, so mm-hmm. we took his land. And then you know, and Hitler had God on his side, but we had more God. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, yeah. And all of a sudden, we're dragging we're dragging God into a pissing match, yeah. And and he's having to pick sides, and and it just blew my mind how shallow i had been for for all of those years and that and that was kind of one of the final straws there were two or three of them but but that was one of the main ones like i cannot believe i have spent this much of my time chasing um something that that was so naive and so um um 
built on on sand. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so, that and that and that's not Christianity. Just to make sure, if anybody's listening, that's, <laughs> that's not Christianity's built on sand. My faith was yeah. built on sand. Yeah. So so two thousand four around there. That was when you sort of fell out, right? That was when you sort yeah. of, and that's uh, when you fell in uh, with alcohol. That became much yeah. more of uh, of your day to day. And so over, I, I love my old familiar friend. Yeah, I love the way you you've said in in uh, past uh, interviews you, you had a bad day for six years. Jeez, um, yeah. And so you were you were in rehab four times. Four times. Correct. And the last time you were in rehab, the counselor says, "Hey, write a journal," and you said, "I write songs," and yeah. and that and that's where your first album, "Killing Bu- uh, Uncle Buzzy," came from. Correct. I keep waiting on the magic. They say supposed to happen If I do Call a friend Go to bed Maybe I'll be better then If you you hadn't wrote that album Do you think you would have survived? Hmm I don't think so, no Yeah I mean, you know, it's hard to say. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, it, it's it's really hard to say uh, because I was by that point I was so ready. I think I would have done anything that um, that they told me to do or suggested that I do. I, I I do know for a fact if I hadn't made that record, I would not be who I am right now, and I would not be sitting in Texas somewhere on the way to a show right now. Um, yeah. You know, I'd probably I'd probably be working at a shoe store, and uh, you know, and and just trying to trying to make a day's pay. Well, you know, speaking of your addictive uh, personality, you probably would have been going all out on the shoes at least. Yes. You would have been the best. Oh man, I'd have, I'd just, I would have I would have been hooking everybody in town up with the best shoes in town. <laughs> Sweet. Well, after that album came out, starts getting traction, people start playing it, and you start getting requests to perform. Uh, and you know, and it was a shocker. Yeah, it was a real shocker. Yeah, and and so you know, when that happened, you know, I was thinking sort of along the same lines you were thinking, and I said, how how hard is that to play? Was it hard for you the first time when you were playing in front of people drinking, and you had just recently got sober? How hard was that to perform? Hmm. It was it was damn near impossible. I, if you can actually go back and find some YouTube videos, and I was wearing a baseball cap, and I would pull it way low, and I looked down the whole time so that I actually could not see people in the crowd mm-hmm. because I was terrified. Yeah. And 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 uh, and there's probably two or three of them you can look up there, and you'll see five or six picks sitting on a table near me or on the on the mic stand or something because I was so nervous I would drop you know, eight, ten picks a night and mm-hmm. have to pick another one up because I was shaking so bad. Yeah. Those are also the days when I would call, uh, you know, my sponsor or another alcoholic and say, I, I am walking into the bar now. I'm about to play. I will tell you when I'm leaving. I will call you as soon as I'm leaving so that I could be accountable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I would not spend one, not 30 seconds in there. Uh, you know, I'd walk in just in time to play and then walk out and make that phone call and go, I made it. Um, thank you for being there kind of a thing. 
Yes. And those are obviously, you know, it's not nearly the, it's not nearly the, 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 as heavy as it used to be. But, but that weight was, was crushing there for a, a, probably a year and a half. Yeah. I wouldn't even, you know, for, for a long time, I wouldn't even say the word bar, much less go in one. And then slowly but surely things started opening up and I started doing better. And I had some conversations with some other alcoholics, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I didn't want to be naive in my recovery like I was in my Christianity, you know, so I would I would call other people and how do you feel about this because I'm getting calls to go to bars and and uh, you know there's no saying around in some of the some of the um, rooms in recovery, you know, you, you can get sober in a whiskey barrel if you want to. <laughs> and so uh, and and you know and then they start well, you know, actually one of my sponsees was a bartender. I told him to keep his job. I thought it was the best thing he could do, stay right there where he had to look at it every day but don't drink. Mm-hmm. And so once I started hearing stories like that, because, you know, the, the, the naive part of me, the, 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 the intimidated child inside of me would just run, you know, yeah. just, just go as fast as you can go. It's a bar. It's mm-hmm. scary. It's a, it's a bear. And, uh, and, and they kind of taught me through, you know, uh, maybe it's not as big a deal as you want because there are people that want to hear your songs. Maybe you're doing a disservice to them if you don't play the songs. Yeah. Hmm. And so when they kind of put a little bit of the responsibility back on these songs deserve to be heard, then it made it a little easier for me to look and go, okay, well, you know, since you put it like that, let's try it. And, um, you know, and, and I'm so glad that those conversations happened because I'm, I've never been happier in my life. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of 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 good things, that was along 2013. One of your songs, uh, "What We Ain't Got," it was recorded by Jake Owen. Goes up to yeah. number 14 on the country charts. All of a sudden, everybody's talking about it. How how does it feel when someone else performs your song? Oh, it was amazing, uh, and the money didn't hurt. You know, <laughs> when, when I made that record, I went to my publisher and I said, "I'm making a record," and uh, he said, "Well, write some hits in between." And I'm like, "Well, <laughs> it's not that kind of record. I'm, it's just kind of me digging out of a hole. I'm just trying to sort some things out." And he made some comment about, you know, well, write some hits in between or whatever. And and then when I turned the record in, he. He called me in his office. He said, man, I got to tell you, this record is amazing. I was not expecting this. I don't know what I was expecting, but it's a great record. And then he said, but nobody's ever going to record these songs. They're too deeply personal to you. They're not hit per se, but it's a great record. And so every time Jake would, would sing that song on the radio, that's the first thing that would cross my mind <laughs> is that, you know, uh, and he said nobody would ever record these songs. So there was a lot of magic. There was a lot of sparkly stuff. There was a lot of fairy dust, a lot of coincidence, a lot of luck, a lot of uh, organic growth, a lot of whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it was magic to me yeah. that, that kind of all made that all happen at the same time. And I'm, I'm very grateful for it. And it, it kind of changed my life. Well, it's like I find it interesting because if I could actually write a good song, I feel like I would be so selfish with that song so that when somebody sang it, I'd be like, no, no, that's not the way you sing it. You're singing it wrong. Like, do you do you ever have any, like, control issues with your songs as far as when people perform them? Or do you just, you know, happy that they want, they want to perform your song? Well, some people have performed my songs better than others. Mm-hmm. I will say that. Okay. And, and I think I own my songs better than some of the other people because I live them. Mm-hmm. So I think 
I can maybe paint the picture a little a little clearer. Mm-hmm. That's right. But at the same time, it's such an honor for them to love the song so much that they want to put it on a record that you have to kind of give them a little leeway mm-hmm. and let them feel like they're an artist doing their interpretation of a song. Mm-hmm. And so as long as you kind of put up that parameter and go, well, he's not, you know, he's not, it's not like he's trying to outsing me or he's not trying to, you know, to, to, to claim ownership to the song. He yeah. just loves the song and he's doing his version of it. Then. Mm-hmm. That way, it kind of alleviates some of the, you know, some of the, the, uh, yeah, the, 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 the heartburn that something like <laughs> that could cause. When it's, but I've been really lucky, man. I've yeah. been really lucky. I've had just great, great artists recording these songs, and I've not really had any. I was just overly disappointed, and I've, I've really been very fortunate because I got some friends of mine that it's not you couldn't pay me to tell you, but but. Uh, um, <laughs> Uh, a couple of them, you know, they refer to the artist cuts as the female version, and it was a guy that recorded it. <laughs> <laughs> Say what? <laughs> well, now a person that you wrote songs with that's that's actually been on this show. We were lucky enough to get him on the show. Uh, Charlie Star. You... I love Charlie. Yes, we we do too. He's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, when he was on the show, he said he clicked with you when writing songs, and now yeah. every project that he does he'll he'll have a song or two at least with you in mind and yes and uh, i'm very glad for that i truly am yeah and he actually you co-wrote two of their songs on their newest album uh find a light uh you wrote yeah. medicate my mind uh and seem so far correct yeah yeah how now did you meet charlie before you were sober hmm yes we, um, I don't want to incriminate anybody, but me and him used to have a lot of good times together. <laughs> Sweet. We used to have some real good times. And, um, and then we both kind of went different directions. And, but, but, but both good directions. You know, they yeah. got really busy and he fell in love. And, and, uh, and I was trying to clean up some messes, you know, and, uh, and so we don't run. At all, really. Uh, but it's a beautiful thing. Me and Charlie have something that I don't think I have with anybody else, and that is, he will be in a, you know, in another state, and he'll start working on something, and he'll send me a little voice memo mm-hmm. on the phone, and I'll listen to it, and I'll just kind of work on it. And because usually co-writing all happens in the same room, and in some ways it's actually limiting because you say, well, how do you like this, or what do you think about this? And when I'm just working on the lyric, I don't ask him, what do you think about this? I just do what I think it needs to be done. And then I hit send, and he goes, yes, I love it. (laughs) He'll work on it a little bit. He'll whittle it. He'll change a word or whatever he wants to do, and he'll send it back. Mm -hmm. And then I go, oh, my gosh, that's great. And then I work on what he just did, and I send it back. Mm -hmm. And next thing I know, I got a work tape in my mailbox. (laughs) It's magic. I'm telling you, it is magic. It is cool, cool, cool. Yeah. And he's a real writer and a real singer and a real guitar player. He's a unicorn, man. Yeah, he's he's a fantastic artist. He's I mean, his guitar playing and singing, it's 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 a throwback, that's for sure. Yeah, there's just it's he's just he's a unicorn today. He he does it all and he does it all very well. You know, some of those guys out there running the roads are not songwriters and because money being uh the way that it is uh, it's hard to make money in the music business. A lot of them are trying to, you know, get their name on the songs because they're trying to make any money they can. And I don't blame them, but but I'm telling you, I I bump into them and I I know who's right and what. 
a rider. Well, sp- speaking of riding, uh, do uh, do you have a, a ring on your middle right finger right now? Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. Did you get that ring from Jerry uh, Jeremy Spillman? Hmm. I did. Yes. Yes. Now, uh, Jerry's uh, Jeremy's also a songwriter, and you and him and Charlie actually uh, wrote probably my favorite song that they perform, which is One Horse Town. I love that. Yeah, song. I love that song. Yep, it's one of my favorites. Uh, what What does Jerry mean to uh, Jeremy mean to you as a friend? Hmm. Well, he was he had gotten sober about a year before me, mm-hmm. and I didn't even know it. And but he saw me going down a dangerous path, and he kind of befriended me at a time when I really needed a friend. And and honestly, uh, when some of the when some of the preacher friends. When I needed them, they bailed on me. And yeah. Jeremy Spitzman was a recovery fan, friend and did not bail on me. And so that was another one, you know, another one of those little nails in the in the, in the religious coffin. Um, <laughs> because, I, man, I mean, I, 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 I spoke and sang in some of the biggest churches in the world. Yeah. Um, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And maybe got three phone calls when I had that bad day. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying that... that, that that they could have changed me. Yeah. But by God, somebody going, hey, I just, I love you, and I'm thinking about you would have been nice. And it wasn't even that. Yeah. But Jeremy was good, and, and my first time, when, my first trip into rehab, he showed up. And uh, and we, we looked in the little jewelry store there at uh, Cumberland Heights in Nashville, which is where I went to treatment, and I said, God, I love that ring. And he bought it, mm-hmm. and I put it on my finger. It says, live, long, uh, live life clean and sober, and I've never taken it off. Very nice. Very nice. Well, um, I I think we've worked our way all the way up to your most recent release, The Fantastic First Cigarette. Say what? Um, Man, I'm so proud of this record. I am so proud of it. It's it's an amazing album. And... You have happy songs on this on this album. You've got "Pray for Jungle Land." You've got "Underdogs," "Pontiac," all great songs. I love the the whole album. It's fantastic. Yeah, and you know that the happy is actually an on purpose. I I when I did kill an Uncle Buzzy, it was a very self indulgent project. Mm-hmm. And old ghost and unfinished business was me just trying not to be Uncle Buzzy anymore. I needed to prove to myself that I'm not that guy anymore. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really work on the record so much as just I just wanted to do anything to get out of there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, another, you know, I'm 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 stuck in a bad place. And give me any car and I'll drive it. And, <laughs> Very proud of that record, right? Yeah. I'm very proud. Of it. But it's an EP, and there's some great songs on there. But then I had several years of touring and getting in front of people and and playing those songs on that record. And I'm and usually if I if I'm the headliner, we'll do about 90 minutes. And that's 90 minutes of some hard cutting, <laughs> deep, you know, songs. And for the first time in this portion of my career, yeah. I put myself in the listener's seat, and I said, "You know, I would, I would want to shoot myself in the face if I had to listen <laughs> to these depressing songs for an hour and a half." So I said, "I, I really want some levity. I want to, I want to put some, I want some heavy songs on there because I, I don't want to run off and leave my fans. If that's what they love, I want to give them that. But I want to give them a song in between them where they can kind of catch their breath, you yeah. know, and yeah. you know, and just." And then and then go in and cut some more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, and 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 actually, I think the best 
uh, it's been all great response mm -hmm. to the record. But when I but I was looking for a new publishing deal, mm -hmm. and I went to BMG and I played the record, and I said, obviously these songs are from my last publishing deal, but I think I have some more of these in me. Mm -hmm. And we listened to the record, and they signed me based off of a record that they didn't own. Yeah. But they they listened to the record with their eyes closed, and when they were done. Sarah, uh, who's been a good friend of mine and a, and, a, and a Travis fan, my whole Nashville experience, she she listened to the whole record with her eyes closed, and then she opened her eyes, and she looked at me. She said, oh, my God. She said, Travis, you know, as you well know, I'm a huge Killing Uncle Buzzy fan. Mm -hmm. But when I listen to that record, I feel like I'm listening to your experience. She said, when I listen to this record, I feel like I'm listening to my own. We used to, you know, my, my parents used to chain smoke in a Pontiac. <laughs> And uh, be fit, you know, Pontiacs and daydreams, cigarettes and magazines. And I saw it all. I was 10 years old in the back seat of that Pontiac. And I went, that, you know, that, that was the pat on the back. That was when I knew that I had done what I set out to do, which was, you know, to make the record more accessible, where, uh, you know, not just people struggling with drug and alcohol addiction, but, but people from all walks of life could identify with the songs and still have that meaty content that mm -hmm. I'm that I'm known for. Uh, and I, I think, well, I'm just really extremely proud of this record. Yeah. I'm super proud of it. Yeah, should be. You should be. Uh, you, I also saw that you were having some trouble getting started with this record, and so you told your then girlfriend, uh, now wife, that you needed some Mississippi dirt to to get started. Yeah, and so you, yeah. you started riding sideways in Mississippi. Correct. Yeah, and and what 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 inspired you? What like once you got there, what you know? What what was the well, catalyst? First all, yeah, well, first of all, going back to Mississippi at all was catalyst number one because I left Mississippi with no intentions of ever going back. Mm -hmm. um, and that's nothing against Mississippi. It, it, it turns out I was the one I was running from, not <laughs> not my hometown. Yeah, and it, and I wound up being everywhere I went, so my troubles went with me. Mm -hmm. um, and so. So I needed to make amends to Mississippi, and the best way that I knew to do that was to go back and put my feet on the on the motherland and um, and, uh, and and write, um, you know. And it worked. Yeah. I got reacquainted with my old friend, the Open G Tuning, mm -hmm. which Keith Richards used for all that. When they turned that big corner and da na na da na na, mm -hmm. that, all of that's sitting on an Open G with the top E removed. So it's just this real percussive sounding, compressed. And it makes me sing more and be a lot of my a lot of my fans didn't know that I could sing like I did on this record <laughs> because because Uncle Buzzy and some of those others are really wasn't much yelling. It was just both of those records were kind of an exhale for me. I wasn't trying to prove anything, so it was just a lot of low notes and yeah. and almost talking. Yeah. Uh, but like sideways, I got the, I wouldn't call it showing out because I don't consider myself a, you know, a, a, a Chris Stapleton type <laughs> singer. But, but I do think that my fans got a taste of my voice that they didn't know I possessed. And, yeah. and so, but sideways came out pretty quick. That, that, uh, we got there and, uh, and set guitars all over the room. Mm -hmm. And then I picked up that open G tuning and sideways started coming out. Yeah. Um, I had, I had actually been at a, at a adolescent treatment facility trying to share some hope and, and uh, strength and experience with some kids down there that they might could get out of the out of the hole that I was in a little earlier in their life. And, uh -huh. and I, I asked them, you know, I've been telling you my story and singing my song. If we were going to write your song, what would we write? And one girl raised her hand and she told me something, and it just shocked me. I mean, I didn't know life could be so hard on a kid that young. And I, and I remember thinking, 
man, I want to get high too, but what came out of my mouth was, how did that make you feel? Yeah. And one tear came rolling down her cheek and she wiped it away and she said, I don't feel nothing. Ooh. And then one of the counselors stepped in and said, you know, honey, if, if all you got is a hammer, you're going to treat the whole world like a nail. Uh. It's okay to have more, it's okay to have more, uh, feelings than just anger it doesn't always have to be anger mm -hmm. and um and 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 he said because when you push it down it comes out sideways and when he said that mm. i i kind of removed myself mentally from the room and i went down all those broken roads that i'd been down because you know because i, I had been I, you know i've been doing a little self-help you know working on me for for the past uh <clears throat> Eight years, you know, trying yeah. to trying to get really more like twelve because that, that was a that was since the last time I went to rehab. It was six years of, of you know going to rehab before, so yeah. it was a lot of a lot of trying. It, it, it's funny that you brought brought that up though because that's one of it's one of my favorite sayings. Uh, you know, if if all you if all you have is a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail. And yeah. uh, one of my old biology teacher used to say that all the time, and, and that one stuck with me, and it's so true. And then, and then to add on to that, it's going to come out sideways. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's a, it, I can see where that song came from. That's uh, yeah, no doubt. Well, you know, I, I had to look at my own life, and 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 it took a little doing, mm -hmm. but I I discovered something about myself, and maybe this will help somebody else. Every single time that I get angry, yeah. It's because I'm afraid of something. Yeah. And so these days when I get mad, I have to stop and ask myself, you know, what is it that you're afraid of? Mm -hmm. And then maybe take a look at that. And maybe the anger, you know, is misplaced and I can do something to, to lessen the anger and, and improve the situation on my end. Because I learned a long time ago, buddy, 99.9% of my problem is me. <laughs> and I'm and I'm not I'm not blaming. I got over blaming somebody else for my problems a long time ago. And so when something starts going south, the first thing I do is, I, you know, I don't think, well, that guy should have never said or she should have. No, these days I go, what could I do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's probably me. So the, the album was uh, you recorded it, though, at uh, Neon Cross. Uh, Jeremy yeah. Spillman and Jay Joyce were were uh, producing it. Um, yeah. So I heard you you played this with no metronome, no click track, just no click track, no auto tune. It's probably the scariest thing I've done in a long time because you know even on those little homemade records we made, uh, Old Ghost and Unfinished Business and and Killing Uncle Buzzy, we kind of pieced those together because we didn't have a budget, so there was never a band. Yeah. And we played for click track, and we would tune the vocals when we needed. I got a new set of hearing aids between between the you know the, the, the second record and the third one, so I could hear a lot better, so mm -hmm. I'm singing a lot better. Plus, I've been out on the road now for... You know, these years singing every night for so long, I think I'm actually getting better at my craft. And it's a, I'm not going to lie, it's a good feeling. Yeah. I, I, you know, I watch the, I watch some award shows and stuff and hear everybody out of pitch. And I'm like, you know, I don't feel too bad about myself at all. I'm legally deaf and I'm not singing a lot of them people pitch wise. And they got two good ears and really good looking people. You know? <laughs> yeah. Here I am, you know. Any ugly little man with hearing aids, and I'm doing all right for a man like me, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so also, I wanted to ask one other one about the uh, the the new album on Long Live Cool. Uh, who who did the harmonica on that? Was that you? Hmm. That was me. There it is. There it is. Uh, yeah, there was there was 
there was another little secret that I, I've been keeping for a while. I used to play the blues in Mississippi, mm-hmm. and I, and I'm not enough guitar. Uh, I'm not a good enough guitar player to play the blues. So I, I had a band, and I would just sing and play harmonica. But when I picked up the guitar, I just kind of I just kind of moved away from the blues because I couldn't play it. But I could always play a pretty mean blues harp. And when I moved to Nashville. Every third guy at an open mic puts on a harmonica pl- tra- uh, rack and yeah. plays kind of Bob Dylan style. And so, I, you know, I, I, I kind of just got tired of doing it because everybody was doing it, although I was better than pretty much <laughs> all of them. But that was something else. It was almost a little gift to my fans, you know. Yeah. Uh, here's the side of my voice you've never heard. Oh, and by the way, I play harmonica too. So yeah. that's kind of... That's kind of where that came from. Nice. Well, well speaking of living in Nashville, you've, you've been there for a good while now. And, yeah, 15 years. Yeah, and I've had a couple other guests on the show that have been from Nashville. I, I like to know because it's a great place to eat. I mm-hmm. I wanted to know where, if I go to Nashville, where's the local place I need to eat that hasn't been overtaken by hipsters? Uh, well... I don't think you. I don't think you're going to find your way into anywhere that hasn't been overtaken by hipsters because <laughs> hipsters are running some of them. But with that said, I would definitely go to Moss Taco in East Nashville. Okay. And I would go to the Riverside Grill Shack. Now, there's a lot of people. A lot of a lot of uh, a lot of uh, um, uh, ratings. Uh, what am I trying to say? In, in magazines, say that pharmacy burgers are the best burgers in Nashville. I gotta tell you, I don't want to make I don't want to make nobody mad over at pharmacy, but I think Riverside Grill Shack is um is is, is just as good, and it's in a little shack. They don't even have a a, a, a patio or a, you know a dining yeah. room. You just go and pick them up and take them back back to your house and eat them there. But that's a good burger, buddy. Nice. It's all Angus and uh, man, yeah, it's okay. really really good. I would definitely suggest those two. Now, have you ever been big on the uh, the hot chicken? You ever? Hmm. No, you know, when I got to town, Prince's hot chicken was the only hot chicken in town. Yeah. And and if you were going to eat hot chicken, it came from Prince's. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, once I moved to the uh, to the east side, I, I discovered that Bolton's yeah. chicken and fish was really good. Yeah. But it was all too hot to me. And it's so <laughs> funny to go and you talk to them. And if you and if you talk to you know to, to, to well how hot is it because I can't take it too hot and the first thing is well have you been to so and so's because ours is hot <laughs> it's the funniest thing you know it's like a pissing concert well ours is hotter than theirs well, okay well great then I'll take the extra extra super duper mile <laughs> uh, because it makes me sick it's too hot and then now you go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and they have Nashville hot chicken yeah. oh, come on. It, it wasn't a thing now it is and you go in there and you watch these four souls. Ain't got a brain in their head. Get the super hot and sit there and get real tears screaming down their face. Almost looks like blood coming out of their eyes. And they they try their best to eat every bite. And you couldn't pay me to do that. And, of course, Hattie B's, the one downtown... Every time I drive by there, there's a line wrapped around the building, and I want to roll down the window and just go, you do realize there's three or four more, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, offshoots of this building. You, you don't have to stand in line. You can just go one mile down the road. There's another one, right? <laughs> I just laugh and keep on driving. They did the same thing with Pancake Pantry there for a long time. Garth Brooks said something about it was the best pancakes in Nashville. You still, when you go past the Pancake Pantry, they're wrapped around the building. I'm like, man, just go to a hop. You know, they- just go to... Good Waffle House. It's all the same. They they owe they owe Garth a, a big a big check a big royal. They check really for do. <laughs> yep, they do. No doubt. 
Travis, man, I'm so glad you came on the show, man. Your your it was my pleasure. Yeah, it your was awesome. your music is fantastic, and it's it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. Yes, it was a pleasure. Uh, the pleasure was all mine, and you asked good questions, and I, I'm really grateful for your time. Yes. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Listeners, make sure to check out all of his touring dates on travismeadows.com, and make sure to check him out when he comes here to Jacksonville. I know I will. He'll be at Jackrabbits on June 27th. Let's take a listen to Sideways off of First Cigarette by Travis Meadows. If I could buy myself a concert wasn't broken. Right, and we are back. Huh? 95.5 WSKR here in Jacksonville, Florida. Duval, the 904, hmm. Spinnaker Radio. Did you get everything? I think you got everything. I think so. You mm. might have got. I think you might have missed something. I think you missed. Check try, out the podcast. Try, try it again. Okay. Try it again. DocGShow.com. There. Don't forget. www.gshow.com. You were gonna get there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we got there with Travis Meadows. That was a fantastic Dude, interview. Yes! Great life, not a great life. Very interesting life as far as some of the things that he's went through. Interesting come up. Yeah, man. He's mm-hmm. hard knocks. Yes! Hard knocks his whole life. I mean, mm-hmm. that crazy. You know, 17 years in missionary work, then turning to the bottle, uh, having to stuff. overcoming alcoholism, uh, and now just uh, dominating the music world. Like I said, just hobnobbing with the biggest and the best. Hobnobbing. Yeah. I, I like that one. I mean, with, uh, he's not a patsy. Nope. You know? Not a patsy. Uh, not definitely at all. not a patsy. I mean, this guy. He's I, the opposite of a patsy. I'm definitely so. going to see him when he comes to Jacksonville. You guys are coming with. Sweet. Where is he performing? With. Jack Rabbits, 26. Ooh. June 26. We oh, got a little bit of time. Yeah, right, we got some yeah. time. But we will definitely see him. I can't wait. It's going to be good. Thanks to Travis again for coming on the show. We definitely appreciate it. Yeah. Guys, last birthday suit. Are you ready? Let's do it, baby. I'm ready. All right. Born April 25th, 1976. Hmm. In St. Croix, United States Virgin Islands. Wait, what? Nice. Hmm. As, <laughs> as no, it was I, like a yawn and like a. Huh. I guess the Virgin Islands did not interest Dave. Nope. No, uh, that, that the Virgin me. that intrigued you, but you were fatigued. Yeah. I get it. Okay. As a kid, he dreamed of being a world-class swimmer. He's not interested in anything virgin. That's what. Why. How? Wait, it's a swimmer. Hold on. Well, he however, to be a swimmer. Hurricane Hugo mm-hmm. ruined the pool that he trained at, and he could no longer train at the Olympic pool mm-hmm. on St. Croix. So he started to focus on basketball. Tim Duncan. Yeah. yeah. I've heard that story. Nicely done. Dude, he would have been a crazy swimmer at 6'11". Yeah, so he went to Wake Forest. He would have dominated, right? Yeah, he would have. 
Well, he would have just. Well, Matt Grievers was 6'8". He, he could have just tipped over and touched the other side of the pool. Yeah. That's true. Um, he gained a lot of attention, obviously. Got a scholarship to Wake Forest. Stayed there all four yeah. years. They they did well in the tournament every year. Didn't win. Uh, Mr. But Fundamental. Did, did, very, did very good job in the tournament. Then he went to the NBA, drafted by San Antonio. Won five championships, three final MVPs, two regular MVPs, 15 all-star appearances, and eight-time all-time defensive team. Goodness gracious. Very the well The big done. fundamental, man. Yes. Got Do some really think... boring Adidas shoes he did. Oh, awful. And then his outfits to the game. Oh, yeah. weird as heck. Well, he's a pretty odd guy, you know. He's a he's an oh, introvert. Man. He likes to mm -hmm. play video games. He's he's into he's into martial arts. He probably likes comics. He does martial arts now. Actually, he probably was in the closet with Michael Jackson talking about okay. comics. Probably could have been. Who knows? I don't I, know if he'd fit in there. I, no, yeah, that's probably. true. His legs were sticking out. It was a four by four. Guys, I mentioned this uh, before we started the show, but uh, I have to bring up our Claude intro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. We were supposed to have to we were supposed to have Claude on the show last week, but due to my own stupid technical difficulties, you idiot. We didn't. But we made one hell of an intro for Claude Fly Till I Die, Lathan. Play it. And I just want to play it. Hit that sh. All right. Let's hit it. Claw! Claw to my side! Even though we didn't have him on the show, that has to be the greatest intro of all time. It probably just rocked everyone's world. Everyone, step your game up, because we did. Seriously. That's right. Come, yes. We're coming for you. And don't worry, there's going to be some intros like that, so we don't have weird... Nurse anesthetist scribe talk before what for a little, Dave a little foreplay. It's a little it's, foreplay before the show. It's gonna be real deal for everybody. But guys, we got some great guests coming up on uh, the shows in these weeks. Man, have I overdid myself? Huh? Oh, we've got Jacob Thomas Jr., great singer songwriter out of Nashville as well. Oh, we've got Nashville folks. We've got the fantastic funk bands. Get this name. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Dumpster funk. Dumpster, Dumpster funk. funk, son. And are you ready for this one? Lettuce. Wait, what? That's right. Wait, that's it? Their name Raps. is Lettuce. Do they rap? I don't know if they have it. Lettuce rap? Yeah, I do that's get it. That's good. But do I don't know if they actually have any raps. I think it's just straight funk. I'm we'll pretty talk. sure we'll, straight we'll funk. We'll ask them. Don't eat lettuce anymore, guys. We've Just also got crazy Romaine. good comedians, guys. We've got comedians Grant Lyon and Ryan Dalton. And we've got the great South Carolina rapper MSCJ. Home. Oh, I mean, guest on guest on guest. Yes! I've got guests, guys. And they're coming yeah, on the on show. Guest on guest. Yes! I can't wait, man. It's going to be some good shows. Like six awesome guests in a row. Back to back. It's crazy. We're crazy. Going back to back. But for now, we're all showed out. We're all showed out. We got to end this thing. So let me so end it. So let's show I'm gonna, off. I'm going to start the show off. That's back. Here we like go. That. I like that. I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, Justin, Virgin, Bat, Evangelista. Check out the podcast, people. Oh, uh, DocGShow.com. And Dave Burles, Berlin. And the Instagram show at, at DocGShow. That's right. Thank you for listening, everyone. Until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity-doo-dah.
Jean. Jean.